Nearly 200 years ago, an audacious group of Jesus followers started First Christian Church. Where today, week in and week out, the Word of God is preached, the Lord is worshiped, as we develop into more fully devoted followers of Jesus through growing and serving together, we believe God is calling us to do whatever it takes to further ministry, reach our community, and tell the world. It's time for us to rise up and declare we're committed to do whatever it takes. So the other day, uh, when I was actually writing this very message and working on it, uh, I was at a restaurant and I, I walked into the men's restroom. And I know, super strange way to start a sermon, but just bear with me here. Uh, on the wall, as artwork, was this, uh, this poster-sized photograph. It's, it's kind of an iconic one. Maybe you're familiar with it. Um, it's called Lunch Atop a Skyscraper. And what caught my attention about this particular um, photo, and maybe you were with us last week where we talked about the idea of faith and Abraham and all this, and, and if you missed it, don't worry. Uh, when it comes to the topic of faith, that pretty well sums it up, does it not? I mean, the faith that this beam is gonna hold, this is a 850 feet above Manhattan in what is going to become the RCA building. I think now it's called the, the Comcast building. Uh, or maybe it's more faith that there wasn't like, a, like just a gust of wind in the forecast. Just, I mean, could you, I mean, and what I, I think what strikes me about it is they look as if they are just like hanging out at one of these guys' house, like watching the game on the couch. I mean, there's like not a worry in the world. And to me, that is just a, a picture of what faith is all about. And so last week we talked about how Abraham uh, demonstrates this kind of faith, where God tells him in Genesis chapter 12, one, says, go, he says, go from your country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land, what land, where am I going, Lord? He says, I will show you. I will show you. Uh, we said this idea that uh, faith is when we close our eyes and put our hand in God's and trust that he's the one that's leading us. And so Abraham, he takes, you could say, God up on his go, and it says that he went, just as the Lord had told him. And so as part of that um, reality is he kind of walks out on that limb, walks out on that, that beam, if you will, 850 feet above, not really knowing what God has for him, was this idea that God was gonna bless him. But he wasn't gonna just bless him for him to keep it and hoard it, but that he told Abraham, I'm gonna bless you in order to be a blessing. That you are not to be, uh, both for Abraham, for us, uh, a cul-de-sac of blessing, but a conduit. And so that's the question we're wrestling with. Okay, how has God blessed us in order to be a blessing to others through his church? That's what this whole whatever it takes journey has been all about. Because when it comes to faith, God is gonna take us somewhere, most often, when he says go, somewhere where we have not yet been. He's gonna take us somewhere where God says, you might not know where the go is, but when you trust me where you're gonna go, you can trust that when you trust God and go where he tells you to go, that we wanna confidently be able to say that we went, that we went where God told us. You could say that's why this, uh, this whole journey is kind of, uh, it's, a, it's an all skate. Um, you know what an all skate is? Um, I used this in staff meeting the other day and like a few of them were like, 
I have no idea what you mean when you say that. Uh, so in my day, maybe so, did anyone like do elementary skating parties before junior high dances? Anyone have a, just a few skating parties? Really? Not that, okay, so here's what we did. Before there were dances, there were skating parties. And you went to the roller rink, and there were like specific calls for specific people to skate. Like girls only, or boys only, or couple skate. That was a fun one to get to sit out on uh, for me. <laughs> Or if you can skate backwards, another show-off opportunity, right? But then there was the all skate. Like, regardless of your skill, like, you could take the next kind of scooch forward in your skating development. Like, that's what we understand this season as a life for us as a church together. This is an all skate that every single one of us, 100% of us, would just simply ask God, God, what is it you want me to do? How have you blessed me in order to be a blessing? And how... Can I obey? That's it. That's, that is the journey, that we could be blessed in order to be a blessing through his church. Uh, and that's why we have provided these, these commitment cards. These are really, they are discipleship tools that regardless of where we're at in this journey, that we can all skate, that we can all just simply ask, okay, God, it's what it says in Corinthians, that we just wanna ask God, pray to God, where is it that you're leading me? And then it says that when we do that this way, that we're able to not give under reluctance or compulsion or some kind of weirdness, but just cheerfully because we've asked God and acted and obeyed as he has led. So maybe for you, you have like, like the idea of like giving like is totally new to you and this is kind of a big step of faith to do that for the first time. Or, or maybe experiencing God's faithfulness and you, uh, through generosity and how he kind of works in us in ways that you can only understand if you've kind of, been there and tried it, uh, or maybe you kind of have that as part of your story, but you realize maybe all along the way, like even if you've been generous, like you can kind of slip into like a, like a comfort, a complacency. Uh, you, you could say it this way, sometimes, I've discovered this, that sometimes auto-draft can become autopilot. And it's just this, again, this invitation for 100% of us just to, to ask God, where do you want me to go? And for us to say that we went, that we obeyed what God told each and every one of us to do. And so I get that in many ways, this is easy for the preacher to say, like this is my job, you could say. Uh, but to continue to kind of dial into like real people from the real world, uh, I want you to check out the Elliot story as to how their journey of generosity has been a blessing, not just to them, but through them as well. Check out the Elliot story. I've learned so much about who God is by coming here. When I walk through the doors, I feel such a feeling of rest and just peace and that I can exhale with whatever is going on. You know, I know that I can walk through the doors and I can find somebody to talk to or point me in the right direction. I never knew that was possible. Just how friendly I think people are and getting into a small group and kind of just how easy that was I've met a lot of good friends through this church. I was single and living on my own and looked at my bank account and realized that I could not buy dog food if I needed to for my dog. I felt lost and really scared and didn't know where to turn. And I remembered I had this dusty old book called Financial Peace. I was just done being scared and I was willing to do whatever I needed to to move forward from there financial peace, it was actually through the lens of scripture. And I learned that 
The money I had wasn't mine. I was just managing that for God. It was a very freeing experience to learn that, and now I can look back and find that that was, I think, my first point of surrender. And I just look back, and it just started with that moment of saying, okay, God, it's yours. I will do whatever you need me to do. And that's a scary moment, but it was so worth it. For me, it was just not trying so hard to hold on to what I had. It can be hard, it can be challenging to be generous, but it has always been so rewarding. He has provided every step of the way. I'm a supply chain logistics guy, so I really appreciate the fact that there's so much thought and planning that goes into the money that we give and how it's used and how that's shared with the people of this church. What's rewarding to me is just you know, seeing some of the videos of where the money goes and the impact that that could have on a person or a village. I think what God has taught me is the true deep down joy you can have when you can be generous and you can also be intentional with your generosity, which that was a whole new way of thinking for me. It's incredible to be able to do that um, and to be able to let that lead our, our financial plan. Whenever I hear whatever it takes, I, the first word that comes to my mind is just dedication, right? Whether that's to small groups, to giving, to just praying, you know, things that I want my kids to grow up with. It makes me think of surrender because I think that was such a light bulb moment for me in my faith journey. Almost every time I've asked God to come in my life in a major way, I've had to say, okay, God, whatever it takes. I think what excites me the most about the future of First Christian is the youth and seeing my kids and other kids grow and learn and then all the opportunity there is I think in the community around here and I think there's a lot more that we can do for the community. Just bringing people in and then getting, seeing them grow and like start to connect in different areas of the church, it is exciting to see where it's all gonna end up. Real people with real stories where God is doing real work uh, in and through them, just like he's going to continue to do in and through us as a church. Uh, and if you're here today and you're at the point where you know, you've been with us throughout this journey over the last number of weeks and, and you've been praying and you've been asking and you're like ready to obey, we actually have uh, this evening an advanced commitment event for those who are uh, ready to be a part of what's gonna be a night of uh, just worship, uh, praying specifically for the future of the church, as well as an opportunity for us to make our commitments together. And so uh, that's this evening here at the, at the church right here in this room at 6.30, and uh, you can still RSVP today. Just make sure we have plenty of dessert and all that good stuff, uh, which I think we will, but just uh, go to the website, firstcater.org, and we'd love to have you be a part of this tonight as next weekend we really culminate as an entire church for Commitment Weekend when we come back and uh, kind of in some ways wrap this thing up, but in many ways really start this whole journey. 
together. So we're excited for that uh, tonight and next weekend. Uh, but again, as we look to our examples of what we see in scripture, of what this actually looks like, uh, we, we return to the person of Abraham. We started a little bit last week and we wanna look at, again at his story and just kind of get you up to speed. When it came to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, the way in which God was going to bless Abraham and then bless the world through him, he said was through his descendants, which in many ways was already gonna be a huge faith test for Abraham right out of the gate uh, because he had no descendants at the time, not even a single descendant. And we know that when it comes to a test, a test of faith, that as hard as those can be sometimes, we know that really at the end of the day, and hopefully we can find it in the midst of these tests and trials, that there's actually good stuff that God wants to do in the middle of them. Uh, Later in the Bible, in the book of James, uh, it says it this way, that you know, like we know this, we've experienced it, if you've followed Jesus for any length of time, like you know that the testing of your faith, what that does is it produces perseverance. And then let perseverance finish its work so that we can reach the goal, to be mature to be complete and not lacking anything. Really, that's how we understand our mission as a church. It's another way of saying that we understand our goal is to become fully devoted followers of Jesus, that we would become mature and growing in that through all things, but we know quite often comes through tests and trials. And so for Abraham, they had a real faith tester that yes, they were gonna go, and they had that test that God was actually gonna give them descendants, let alone a single descendant. So we're gonna pick up the story in Genesis chapter 22. I'd invite you to turn there. Um, and if you also wanna take notes, we're on page 47 this week, five, uh, in our guidebooks here, so you can write some notes there. And so as you turn to Genesis 22, a couple things that happen in Genesis 17 and 18, if you're familiar with the story, is that it says it this way, in, chapter 18, verse 11, that when it comes to having a descendant, there's a little bit of a hiccup here because it says, quote, Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And not like old as if like, like, like doesn't have a skating party in their background, old, but like, like Sarah was past the age of childbearing, it says. And so the age you can discern is, is Abraham is 99 and Sarah is 89 at the time on the day that God informs them on this day next year, God says, you're gonna have a child in arms. And if you know the story, how does Sarah react? She, she, (laughs) like did I I hear that right? Like there's no way, because we'd be doing the same thing at 89 years old that this is part of my journey. She literally laughs at God's promise, laughs in God's face, almost as if, like, is she hearing this right? And I think about, like, when I laugh, when you laugh, when we laugh, um, I think sometimes when things get serious, we can, I don't know, kind of like laugh as a bit of a, like a defense mechanism, kind of like a, like a nervous laughter, like, yeah, yeah, like, like that's, that's great, God. I'm, I'm pretty sure that I'm not hearing this one correctly, though. Well, the story goes on, and I guess you could say that God gets the last laugh, because Sarah, that next year, laughed all the way to the hospital. And what's crazy is, uh, in Hebrew, like like names mean a lot, they hold a lot of meaning, and uh, they named their son Isaac. And what Isaac means is son of laughter. And so it's amazing how they turn this laugh moment of God's kind of putting them to the test into the joy of this little one that they've been waiting decades for. But when you think about it, I mean, there's, there's plenty of humor 
in this story. I mean, could you imagine like Abraham and Sarah on that day, like, okay, baby's coming, and they, you know, they walk into the hospital and they're like, uh, geriatric ward? Maternity. Okay, uh, and so, you know, she has the baby, and then from there, you know, like they're walking out of the hospital, and it's kind of like a second look, like is that, is that a walker or a stroller? Like what, in the, what is going on with this couple? And then, you know, off to Walmart they go, and they get extra baby food because neither Isaac nor mom and dad have any teeth, and so they're all eating the same stuff, and it's like, hey, while you're at it, go ahead and grab an extra set of diapers, one for the baby, one for Abraham. I mean, there is plenty to laugh at in this story, in this son, in this Isaac, this son of laughter, because God gets the last laugh. Um, and so they get this, this son of joy, this son of laughter that comes from the Lord. And from there, what comes next for Abraham and Sarah is a real test, a, a big test of sacrifice. Uh, and again, one of the ways that we know as a pathway to growth and maturity, as it says in James, the perseverance and all these things and our overall development is gonna be sacrifice. Sacrifice is gonna be part of that story. And if you're taking notes in your guidebook, um, a, a great definition that I came across for the idea of sacrifice is simply this. That you could say sacrifice is when you give up something you love for something you love more. And we don't have to stretch far to think about that. You know, you think about things you do for, you know, for family or people you love. Like, like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we give up something we love for something we love more, and that is a story of sacrifice. And, and that's what God calls Abraham to in a way that, um, it's actually pretty hard to get our heads around if, if you start to read this story. So go ahead and follow along in chapter 22, verse one, and we're gonna see the kind of sacrifice that God tests Abraham with. It says it this way, that sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to Abraham, or he said to him, Abraham? And he replies, here I am. We see this earlier, here I am, God. Uh, because that's what it means to truly follow God, to when God calls, we say, here I am, whatever it takes, what do you need, I'm all in. And then God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Now, if we could just get kind of real here for a minute and not just read this like we've read it before, if you've read it before, like, like just put a period at the end of that verse. Like, what? Like, what is God asking Abraham? Like, I mean, there's all kinds of questions. Like, it doesn't even make sense subjectively. Like, this gift that God miraculously gave them in their old age, he's telling them to like give them, like, you know, like, and then just getting real beyond that, like as a parent, like, I mean, the, I, I can't even get my head around this kind of question, and, what, and we start to ask, like, what kind of God, like, what is going on? And uh, these kind of, are you kidding me? Like, what is God, like, who is God? Like, what is this all about? And again, we're tipped off a little bit in the beginning of this verse that it is a test, but we have to assume that Abraham doesn't yet know that. All he knows is he's been asked to give up this son that he loves as a test to find out if he loves God more. And before I move on, I do wanna make it clear that in the scriptures, both before nor after this time, does God ever ask anyone 
for a human sacrifice. In fact, all throughout the scriptures, it is strictly condemned human sacrifice. But again, this early in the story, Abraham doesn't yet know this. It's a test that we're let in on, but all he knows is that God has called him to do the unthinkable, to sacrifice his son of laughter, to give him back to God in this strange way. And so, what's Abraham gonna do? Verse three. Since early the next morning, Abraham, he got up and he loaded his donkey and he took with him two of his servants and his son, Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship which is just mind-blowing to me. Like, like, that's worship, right? Like, when things are good, it's one thing, but when things are tough, like, we're gonna worship it. Like, like it, it, I think it's why the scriptures talk about it being a sacrifice of praise, that when we worship, um, that, that God is above all this somehow, no matter what this something is in our lives. And so he says, we're gonna worship. And he says, and then we will come back to you now, we're not really sure what is going on there when he says, we will come back to you. Not, not sure if like somehow Abraham maybe knew in faith something that he didn't know, that somehow God was gonna come through in an unknown and surprising way because of his willing sacrifice. Uh, we, we don't know what Abraham thinks he might know, but we do know what happened next. It says in verse six that, that Abraham, he took the wood for the burnt offering and he actually placed it on his son Isaac. And Isaac himself carried the fire and the knife as the two of them went on together. It says that Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son, and the two of them went on together. So you, again, you're almost hearing it like this wrestling, like he's moving forward, but in faith that, there's, there's, that God is gonna provide in some kind of unknown way. And so he continues to put one faith foot in front of the other. Verse nine says, but when they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham, he built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. And so he's moving forward. It says he bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. Like, like he's still moving, like can you imagine this moment for Abraham? Again, I can't get my head around it. And we would say, man, what amazing faith for Abraham. But have you ever thought about like, sure, Abraham, but can you imagine the faith of this boy? I mean, think about it. I mean, he's what, probably 15 or 16 here. His dad is 100 and something. I mean, clearly this son could have overpowered his dad in an instant, but somehow let's, I mean, who knows, he probably had to help his dad bind him to the altar at this point. And he's probably thinking or maybe saying out loud, like, I, I don't understand what's happening, but dad, I trust you and I trust God. And so this boy has amazing faith. And, and it begs the question to me, okay, I get Abraham, we talk a lot about Abraham, but like, where did Isaac get this kind of faith? Where did he learn how to trust his dad and God in this incredible way? Well, we have to assume it would have been from his dad, from his mom and dad, that he learned this faith. 
And we get this uh, as parents, you know, it's a, this is a message for us as we're trying to pass on faith to our next generation, to our kids or grandparents, to grandkids. Um, we, we get that like just parenting is a test of faith every single day. Uh, and we know some of the quotables, you know, that obviously in Abraham we see someone who didn't just, you know, talk the talk, but he walked the walk. And uh, we know that that's true of us when it comes to parenting. It's not what we say, it's what we do. More is caught, you could say, than taught, which of course, we all know that's why it's so terrifying to be a parent because we mess this up all the time. Uh, but that's part of the beauty of the gospel, that part of the journey of following Jesus is this through line of forgiveness. And even when we mess it up as parents and our kids know it, we can go to them and say, hey, will you forgive dad because he did not handle that well. It's like this reality that we're pursuing Jesus, we're demonstrating this both in when we could say we get it right, but even more so, what's crazy cool about being a parent who follows Jesus is the way we can get it right when we get it wrong. Uh, because we can demonstrate forgiveness. That's not in my notes, that's just something I know I script all the time, so I talk about it a lot. And I'm thankful for that reality of how the gospel works. So anyway, so we get that the best way to show faith to the next generation is to live out our faith to the next generation, to live it out to our kids. Uh, it's why in these, uh, these guidebooks, we have these conversation starters each week for you to be able to talk about this idea of whatever it takes with your kids and what commitment and sacrifice and surrender looks like. Not in a way that we're asking or suggesting you talk numbers with your kids, but uh, as far as where you're at, but more so just saying, hey, mom and dad, like we're taking this seriously. Like we are discerning where God is leading us as we ask that we have these conversations with our kiddos. And really, I just wanna kinda like knuckle bump you all as parents because I got to witness uh, through a lot of video that uh, you're gonna see here in just a minute, last weekend, as our, our younger kids and our teenagers, they're doing their own kinda age-appropriate version of whatever it takes, and last weekend, they made some age-appropriate commitments, uh, yes, even with their resources, but also with their time and their abilities and things like that. So I want you uh, to get a peek at some of the things uh, that your kids shared last week for their Kid Commitment Weekend. Check this out. My husband and I serve as greeters for First Kids, and today it was so cool. For some reason, the kids all began to rush the door before we even were ready for the doors to be open, and they were waiting with this anticipation that you knew something special was happening. And when the doors opened, they literally ran into First Kids today. They never do that. And it was like Jesus was here and they felt him and they knew something big was gonna happen, but they didn't even know what was happening today. It was the coolest thing. Like these kids love First Kids and they love Jesus and it showed today. fourth grade. My commitment is I'm going to bake or cook things for people and have a Bible verse or a note in it that says something about Jesus. My name is Ran and I'm in fifth grade. My commitment was to donate clothes to anybody that doesn't have enough or needs My name is Abby Grundon and I'm a freshman. I really like the idea that we need to not only put God first in our lives, but we need to make Him first in every aspect of our lives. 
Quincy Peterson. I am in eighth grade. I liked uh, Brian's sermon about uh, being extra faithful or putting more faith forward. Uh, treasures, my earthly possessions, could definitely be uh, more used towards God than it could be towards me. I can do whatever it takes. 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 You could tell that the kids were completely ready for whatever it takes today. You know, it's, it's cool. I mean, we think about we're getting ready to go into Christmas season here, and what do the prophets say in Isaiah? It's a, a child will lead them. And that child, Jesus, would grow up to say, unless we have faith like a child, we don't understand faith in the kingdom. And so I love the way in which the kids, uh, and again, as a parent, you know this, can lead us in the subject of faith almost like no other person or uh, age group on the planet. Um, and so we see, again, this, this amazing faith, not just in Abraham, but in Isaac, but here we are in this moment of faith for both of them as we, if the cliffhanger, Abraham has a knife above his son and picking it up in verse 11, it says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, like, whoa, whoa, hold up, stop right there. And I love that Abraham's posture, that same refrain comes out again. Here I am, he replied. Verse 12, the angel said, do not lay a hand on the boy. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So Abraham, boy, he, he perseveres. He matures through this testing of faith, through this test of sacrifice where he's willing to sacrifice something he loves for uh, the God he knows he loves above all things. And then verse 13, it says that from there, Abraham, he looked up there in the thicket and he saw a ram caught by its thorns. He went over and he took the ram and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And so to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. And what's cool about this, this moment here, uh, again, as we referenced earlier, that the idea of names in Hebrew was, it was a very important thing. And uh, it was on a mountain later that Moses uh, would be told uh, when God gives him, he says, Yahweh, like, like, like I am. And it was here on this mountain that we get uh, Yahweh plus a little extra that Abraham is told, I am Yahweh Yerha, uh, which could also be transliterated Jehovah Jireh. And some of you have heard that expression maybe in a song or in a Bible study of yours, but what that means is not just I am, but I am providing, like I will provide. Like God says, that's not just what I do, like it's who I am. I am the God who provides, it's my very identity. And really, when we think about it, that's what faith at the end of the day is all about. It says, yes, God, you are provider instead of I am my Provider. That's what it always comes down to. Because it's, you could say, as much as the journey of Abraham or Isaac or even our journey is a, a journey of faith, that ironically, it's not about our faith as much as it is about God's faithfulness. That this story, that every story in scripture always is gonna draw us back to not just our faith, 
but the faithfulness of God, God's ability to provide and come through for us in whatever it is that we're facing. That's who our God is, the God who provides. And again, for Abraham, we, we kind of know how this story, you could say, ends and then continues again and kind of in some ways ends with us And that we know that this story, uh, it continues with Abraham and Isaac and then Jacob, which is named, uh, who is named Israel, which then God would provide another son the only son, you can hear the metaphor all throughout this, another lamb, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice for you and for me, that John 3.16, that God so loved the world, and we know that that's not a generic love, that God so loved Brian, God so loved Abby, God so loved Kelly, like God so loved us, God so loved us that he gave his one and only son that we would be given the gift of a new life in him, both this life and for the next. And the crazy thing is that the way that Jesus showed it is, again, we're talking about you don't just say it, you live it, but the way that he lived it was ironically dying for it, dying for us. Because that story continues for us, that we know this truth, that just like we see in God and giving us his son, that that is how love was displayed. And so we know that that's how love displayed. Like like when we give, we Love, or I've heard it said this way, that there is no love where there is no giving. And again, this is, not, this is not new to us. We know this. This thing about anyone you love in your life. And how do you demonstrate that? You give. You give of your time. You give of your abilities. You give of your energy. You give of sacrifice because that is how love is displayed. And so if you, you wonder, you know, why does the Bible and Jesus talk about giving? Why do we see it kind of all throughout Scripture? Uh, arguably, Jesus talked about it more than any other thing. Well, it's because we cannot understand the love of God unless we understand the giving of God. That the whole point of why we're here, the whole journey is pursuing a God who gave us his one and only son, who gave his life so that we could be given the gift of life, the gift of forgiveness and eternal life. It's why we as a church, uh, as if, if you're newer with us, something we do nearly every week here uh, is celebrate communion, uh, which was not our idea, uh, but something that Jesus implemented. It says in the scriptures, as often as you gather, do this in remembrance of me. And so um, we're gonna do that here. And there's some folks walking around with little communion kits if you maybe miss getting one on your way in or at home, if you can grab something to eat and drink to celebrate with us. Um, because this is what Jesus <laughs> Very wisely, he knows how forgetful we are as people and um, ensure, this is the way I always understand it, uh, you know, my, my ADHD, to make sure that I would never forget what Jesus has done. He has given us a way to always remember him, always remember the sacrifice that he made for us. And so the memorial that he gave us is that on the night he was betrayed to death, uh, he was having a very important supper, uh, had a lot of meaning uh, in that context, and he, and he really, he kind of shifted the meaning. He said that this bread is my body given for you, and this cup is my blood poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins, and a new covenant, a new way, a new promise of life through me. And so here in this next song, we're gonna invite each of you just to reflect on the words that are being sung as you remember and relive what Jesus has done for us in his sacrifice in giving us his life so we could be given the gift of a new life. So let me pray giving thanks for this reality here together. Heavenly Father, we are 
reminded that regardless of the topic or the series or whatever it is that we're looking at on any given Sunday or Saturday, whatever, that is always this subject, the gospel, the good news of the goodness of you giving us your one and only son. And so we know that that was not a gift to be taken lightly, that the willingness of Abraham <laughs> was played out in the reality of what you actually did do for us. It's a mystery, God, how all of that works, but we trust you, that's what our faith is, and we thank you and we celebrate this new life of forgiveness that we have when we don't get it right, because we won't, because of who you are and how you provide and how you provided your son. And so we remember you and we thank you for your body, your blood, as you remember, and the bread and the cup together as your church. In Jesus' name we give thanks, amen.